Well, hello everybody. We have an email to answer. And it's going to sound a little silly to some people, but this is actually an interesting topic that I want to get into. So let's go ahead and read the email and see how we can answer it here. A uh, person asks, Pastor, I hope you are doing well. As I mentioned on social media, the original intent of this question was pretty smart-alecky. But you mentioned an interest in covering it, and I'm always interested in learning more about angelology. So I figured I'd follow up. The question is, would angels, especially the higher orders of angels, carry a sword or a spear? I assume the short or boring answer is that angels are spiritual beings and would have no need for physical tools. But we know from Revelation and elsewhere that angels choose to present themselves to humans in certain ways to convey specific messages. I know there are artistic representations of angels using each, that is, spears and swords. And their arguments for either, a sword being largely defensive, would make sense in an angel's role as guardian, the spear is largely a weapon of legion, and angels are described as organizing and hosts, and so forth. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on the topic. Thanks so much for taking the time to read my email and I look forward to hearing your response. God bless your brother in Christ, Guy. Now, before I get into answering this question, a little bit of context for everybody else listening. It seems like a very speculative question to ask. Angels, why would they carry swords? Or do they carry spears? Are there higher orders of angels with swords or lower angels that have spears? What's going on here? Why is this question important? Well, first and foremost, our listener here has expressed elsewhere that he very much prefers the spear. He thinks swords are a less effective weapon. So this leads to the question of, well, if angels favor the sword, why would God give them a less effective weapon on the battlefield of earth in the spiritual realms? Or if there are angels with spears, why would they have that? Aren't they in something of an authority? After all, in ancient times, it was often the case that officers carried swords while your grunts carried spears. Hmm, how do we go about answering this? Well, Guy, I actually do have some answers for you. Then maybe your spear-loving heart isn't going to love. For that, I do apologize, <laughs> but the Bible is going to say that angels almost universally carry swords. And why would that be? Well, probably because our Lord Jesus Christ favors the sword, among other reasons that we will get into. Here is from Revelation chapter 19, where we start in verse 11. Then I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. The one sitting on it is called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems, and he has a name written that no one knows but himself. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood, and the name by which he is called is the Word of God. And the armies of heaven, arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses. From his mouth comes a sharp sword, with which to strike down the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron. 
He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God the Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And in case somebody might say, well, that's just a representation of the word of God coming out of the mouth of our Lord Jesus Christ. Remember, this is the second time St. John has brought this up. In Revelation chapter 1, he writes regarding Christ before John. This is the first time St. John has seen our Lord Christ since his ascension. And he says, In his right hand he held seven stars. From his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword, and his face was like the sun shining in full strength. That's Revelation chapter 1, verse 16. Jesus carries a sword. That's important for us to recognize here. If our Lord Jesus says swords are good enough as a representation of his authority and his power, then by all means, angels who are going to derive their authority and power from God Almighty are also going to carry swords, which they do. In Genesis chapter 3, starting in the 24th verse here, this is when Adam and Eve are driven from the Garden of Eden. It says, He, God, drove out the man, and at the east of the Garden of Eden he placed the cherubim and a flaming sword that turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. Hmm, an angel and a flaming sword. Now, First Chronicles chapter 21, after David conducts the census over all of Israel, we see here in verse 14, So the Lord sent a pestilence on Israel, and 70,000 men of Israel fell. And God sent the angel to Jerusalem to destroy it. But as he was about to destroy it, the Lord saw, and he relented from the calamity. And he said to the angel who was working destruction, It is enough, now stay your hand. And the angel of the Lord was standing by the threshing floor of Ornon the Jebusite. And David lifted his eyes and saw the angel of the Lord standing between earth and heaven, and in his hand a drawn sword stretched out over Jerusalem. Then David and the elders, clothed in sackcloth, fell upon their faces. And David said to God, Was it not I who gave command to number the people? It is I who have sinned and done great evil, but these sheep, what have they done? Please let your hand, O Lord my God, be against me and against my father's house, but do not let the plague be on your people. Now David eventually purchases the threshing floor of Ornan here. And in uh, verse 25 it says here, So David paid Ornan 600 shekels of gold by weight for the site. And David built there an altar to the Lord and presented burnt offerings and peace offerings and called on the Lord. And the Lord answered him with fire from heaven upon the altar of burnt offering. Then the Lord commanded the angel, and he put his sword back into its sheath. If we go to the book of Numbers, Numbers chapter 22, we hear about Balaam and his donkey. I'm just going to go ahead and read here from verse 22 of Numbers 22. But God's anger was kindled because he went, and the angel of the Lord took his stand in the way as his adversary. Now as he, Balaam, was riding on the donkey, and his two servants were with him, and the donkey saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with a drawn sword in his hand. And the donkey turned aside out of the road and went into the field. And Balaam struck the donkey and turned her into the road. Then the angel of the Lord stood in a narrow path between the vineyards with a wall on either side. And when the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, she pushed against the wall and pressed Balaam's foot against the wall. So he struck her again. 
Then the angel of the Lord went ahead and stood in a narrow place, where there was no way to turn either to the right or to the left. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, she lay down under Balaam, and Balaam's anger was kindled, and he struck the donkey with his staff. Then the Lord opened the mouth of the donkey, and she said to Balaam, What have I done to you, that you have struck me these three times? And Balaam said to the donkey, Because you have made a fool of me, I wish I had a sword in my hand, for then I would kill you. And the donkey said to Balaam, Am I not your donkey, on which you have ridden all your life long to this day? Is it my habit to treat you this way? And he said, No. Then the Lord opened the eyes of Balaam, and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way, with his drawn sword in his hand. And he bowed down and fell on his face, and the angel of the Lord said to him, Why have you struck your donkey these three times? Behold, I have come out to oppose you, because your way is perverse before me. The donkey saw me and turned aside before me these three times. If she had not turned aside for me, surely just now I would have killed you and let her live. Then Balaam said to the angel of the Lord, I have sinned, for I did not know that you stood in the road against me. Now therefore, if it is evil in your sight, I will turn back. And the angel of the Lord said to Balaam, Go with the men, but speak only the word that I tell you. So Balaam went on with the princes of Balak. Now, in case we think these are just normal swords, or swords that are magically lit up with fire, let's read here from Isaiah, Isaiah 31, verse 8. And the Assyrian shall fall by a sword, not of man. And a sword not of man shall devour him, and he shall flee from the sword, and his young men shall be put to forced labor. What does that mean? Well, from Isaiah chapter 37 here, during the Assyrian invasion and siege of Jerusalem, here in chapter 37, verse 36 of Isaiah, the angel of the Lord went out and struck down a 185,000 in the camp of the Assyrians. And when people arose early in the morning, behold, these were all dead bodies. Then Sennacherib, king of Assyria, departed and returned home and lived at Nineveh. And as he was worshipping in the house of Nisroch his god, Adramelech and Sharazer his sons, struck him down with the sword. And after they escaped into the land of Ararat, Esarhaddon his son reigned in his place. I think there's a few other examples, but at the end of the day, I don't see any instances in scripture in which angels are carrying spears. If I'm missing something, by all means, everybody listening, you are entitled to correct me. Shoot me an email at very underscore Lutheran at tutanota.com. But I'm going to go ahead and call it and say angels carry swords. Sometimes they are swords that are nondescript. Other times they are described as flaming swords. Jesus Christ, our Lord, he has the distinction of carrying a two-edged sword. It is sharp on both sides. Now that said, we have to ask the question, why swords? Well, first off, they do a lot more than earthly swords. If one angel can kill 185 some odd thousand men destroying the army of Assyria, it's not a normal sword. That's the first and foremost thing we can say here is that well, they don't have to be a one-for-one -one comparison to earthly swords, which is a sharp piece of metal with a handle that you chop, slash, and stab with. An angel can do a lot with it. Now, in addition to that, given that the difference between an earthly weapon and a heavenly weapon is that vast, 
we can also safely say that it is the weapon of a messenger. Now, angelos in the Greek means messenger. In Hebrew, the word translated angel is malak, which means messenger. And what is a messenger going to do? They are going to go all over the place carrying messages, carrying stuff, and traveling with people. So, a messenger angel is going to carry a weapon that's a little bit more common sense to carry if you have spatial concerns to worry about. You can't carry a spear with you everywhere, especially if it's a long phalanx-style spear. You're not going to carry that into a hallway, for instance, while you're following the kid you're guarding, you know, in the case of guardian angels. You're not going to carry a spear and expect it to rightfully defend you when somebody might attack you that's only a few feet away. It's kind of like, and forgive me for my martial arts loving heart having to bring this up, it's kind of like grappling versus striking. Grappling at the end of the day is a great thing to learn, so long as you're aware that it is not always appropriate to grapple in a street fighting situation or any situation where you have to defend yourself. If there's more than one attacker, your grappling is a stupid thing to do. You're going to get kicked on the ground. If they look like they might have a weapon, don't grapple with them. You're going to get stabbed or shot. But striking, on the other hand, is almost always appropriate for defending yourself. You can strike on your feet, you can strike on the ground, you can hit, hit, hit everywhere. I don't care if you spent 15 years learning Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, it is totally worthless to you and negated if you can't really use it without getting severely hurt or putting yourself in a worse situation. But you can always... I'll throw a punch or a kick if you have to. Maybe, maybe it's not always appropriate to kick, but you can always use your hands to defend yourself. It's kind of like that with swords versus spears. You can carry a sword anywhere. You can use it everywhere if you have to. You can't do that with spears. They are not always appropriate to use. So an angel as a messenger carries a weapon that is appropriate to a messenger who goes indoors, outdoors, crowded areas, empty areas, a sword is going to have a lot more utility. God's angels are busy. In addition to this, a sword is harder to make than a spear. A sword implies value. Now, God, being the king of the entire universe, can equip his angels, his servants, with valuable, tough-to-make weapons that are sharp, that are ready to go, that are powerful, that are beyond human comprehension, like a sword made out of fire. Literally made out of fire. Flaming sword. God can do that. Now, in addition to that, we have to understand a sword's higher value. It's bigger expenses when it comes to making it. The more difficult processes that go into making a sword versus a spear. Now, let's face it, a spear is you attach a tiny little blade or a dagger or something to the end of a stick. A sword is harder to make, it's higher value, and therefore it goes to people with higher authority, like officers, as we mentioned in the beginning. Angels have a certain amount of authority right now. They have a lot of power. The sword that they carry shows that power. 
If they were angels carrying spears, as we've seen in various uh, art pieces demonstrating battles between angels and demons, then it would imply here that there are angels who are underneath angels by function and not just nature, which is very possible. I'm not going to limit God as to how he equips his angels and who gets what. They do have a hierarchy that is demonstrated in the existence of archangels. But at that same time, we have to understand that by nature, right now, maybe not at the final judgment and after, but right now, angels are in authority over us. They are like officers in the kingdom of God, so they are given valuable weapons. Now that said, you too do have authority, my friend, and you are carrying a sword. That's right. From Ephesians chapter 6 here, we read in verse 10, Finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. And in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. And also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak." St. Paul goes ahead and says it, the word of God is rightly called the sword of the Spirit. You can take the word of God with you wherever you go. It is always appropriate to use the word of God whenever you need to and whenever you want to, to be frank. Just as it took a lot of resources and a lot of work to forge a sword, so too did God spend 1,500 years creating this document we call the Bible, the Word of God, which is so valuable that to have it is to have the greatest treasure you can possess. Having the Word of God is having the sword of the Spirit, being able to cut down falsehood and evil. And if St. Paul says it's a sword and you're thinking, well, that's weird, it's actually a book, well, yes, but as the library of texts we are given to understand God's messages to us, it's more useful than an earthly sword. The same way that an angel's sword that he carries on his side is going to be more powerful and much more useful than some sword forged here on the material plane. We got to keep these things in mind. I mean, it's it's a sword. It's a book, yes, but also in a manner of speaking, it is a sword that is far more effective than any katana, long sword, bastard sword, gladius, epee, saber, etc., and so forth. Now, does that mean you have to demote spears in your personal training and in your love of history? 
no spears are cool dude and so are javelins they have their place in history as long pointy sticks with uh, sharp little tips at the end <laughs> it's really cool to study about this stuff and how they were used as an effective range tool but at the end of the day the scripture is going to bear witness that angels carry swords because angels are messengers they are often officers in the kingdom of God, and they are here to be ministers unto you as a believer. And there's guardian angels that we can't ignore. A guardian angel stands at the ready to help defend you against demonic attack and other calamities that might befall you. And you'd want him carrying something that he can always use. And we praise the Lord for that. Even more so, we praise him that he has given us his word as the greatest treasure we can carry, the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. Hopefully that helps. Please feel free to shoot me an email to tell me what you think. Amen and amen.